This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, well, here we are today, week three of our series, Dominion. If you need a Bible, once you get your hand up really high, and we're going to jump right into the Word so I can get after it. Once you get a Bible, go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, I just want to prep you here a little bit this morning. Let, let the Word of God teach you, okay? Let, let, the, let the Bible be the instruction and the knowledge for you today. You know, in the book of Hosea, the prophet said, My people perish for lack of knowledge. So it's one thing to get knowledge. The word knowledge means understanding. We got to get understanding, but I got to go past that. And just because I have knowledge doesn't mean that's where it ends. I've got to begin to act on the knowledge that the Word of God will give me. And so... I pray the word of God comes to you uh, alive today and that you see that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren. Finally, my brethren. Now, he's not saying this, that this is the end, this is the conclusion, but rather insofar as much as life keeps going on, you're going to have to apply these principles. In other words, as long as you're on this earth, you're going to have to live by these thoughts and these principles. Years ago, there was a man who was having a pastor pray for him, and he said, what do you want me to pray for you? And he said, that I'm never tempted by the devil again. And the pastor looked at him and said, well, I'll just pray that you die. And he said, no, no, I don't want you to pray for me to die. And he said, well, you understand, as long as you're on this earth, there's going to be an enemy, okay? So he says, finally, my brethren, if you're born again this morning, that's you. Be strong in the Lord. He didn't say be strong in yourself, your own abilities. and your. He said, be strong in the Lord. Remember in Joshua 1, four times the Lord said to Joshua, be strong and good courage. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, in his mighty power. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Now, again, who was this charge written to? It was written to the brethren. So he's telling me and you as the brethren, put on the whole armor of God. Now, the armor of God is found in this passage. Actually, if you would keep reading all the way of verses 13 through 18, you would be able to see that. Put on the armor of God. Now, think about this just for a second. If he tells us to put on the armor of God, why would you need armor? Because we're in a battle. And again, that battle you're in is a spiritual battle. So he says, put on the armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles, the strategies, the deceits, the ambushes of the devil. Now again, he's going to give you the strength. He's going to give you the abilities. He's going to give you the armor, but you're the one that's going to have to stand. You're going to have to to put into, into action. And it's interesting here. He says, against... The devil. Now, I want you to see that because that's our war right there. And don't think the devil is a myth, just some character. The devil's real, all right? He goes on to say, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. 
And you may say, who are they? Those are fallen angels. Better stated, they are rebel holders of authority. And the reason I say that, because in Colossians 2.15, it says, Jesus disarmed them for me and you. So immediately here in, in chapter 6, 10 and 11 and 12, we begin to see we're in a spiritual battle. And he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So you know what he's telling us? You're fighting against your mother-in-law. Not against your brother, not against your co-workers. It's the devil and these fallen demons. And he said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but he didn't say we don't wrestle at all. He said, but this is who we wrestle against. And so again, I've got to begin to understand the, the uh, weapons of the enemy and begin to see this is how I am to counterattack. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. Every one of us in here in some form of a, a spiritual battle. Turn with me to the next book of the Bible, the book of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2. Begin with me in verse 5. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Some translations will say, let this attitude be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now, whether it's the mind or the attitude, that's a choice. That I start thinking in line with Jesus. He goes on to say, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Jesus took the form of a bondservant and he came in the likeness of men. And so when you see that Jesus came in that of a form of a bondservant, he came to serve. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. You know, servanthood is a choice. And it's something that plays huge in our lives. Verse eight, and being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, when you see the word humbled himself, when you see uh, uh, humility, anytime we humble ourselves, humility attracts grace. First Peter 5, 5 says, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Anytime you put on the robe of humility, you're going to attract the things of God. Here's your one to, to tweet out right now. Humility is the currency of heaven. Learn to put on humility, okay? And so it says here that Jesus put on humility to the point he was obedient to the, the, the point of death. Now watch where we go here because this is where we really need to get to teach us. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, Jesus, and giving him, Jesus, the name which is above every name. So because of the obedience that Jesus lived, God said, I give him the name that's the name above every name. So what does that mean for me and you? Verse 10. For at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth. And so you begin to see something here that when we get born again, and we start understanding who we are in Christ Jesus, we literally stand in a unique position in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know if you really caught what he said there, but he said, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and on under earth or beneath the earth. 
So the name of Jesus is universal. It's better than MasterCard ever thought about being. And so when we begin to see this right here, this is important for me and you to understand that my power and my authority that I have that I stand in is in the name of Jesus. So when I speak the name of Jesus, everything that's tied to that name, and remember that's the name behind every name. Every time I speak that name, I have all the authority of that name that's backing it when I speak it. So the goal today is to get me and you to a place where we begin to understand not only who we are in Christ Jesus, who we are with the name of Jesus. Now, turn with me way back to the New Testament, to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and you go there, uh, you'll go through Revelations, the book of James, and then you'll come into 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. What you really need to do today is you really need to take good notes or you really need to go back and listen to the podcast because we need the Word of God to teach us. Sometimes there's opposition to the Word of God. And so it's interesting the Lord Jesus said this, you have eyes but you don't see. He, he wasn't talking about our physical eye. He was talking about our spiritual eye. And so the, the thing today, again, and I'm going to harp on this you got to see what the Bible says, okay? Just look at the Bible and let the Bible teach you this morning. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Now, I, I marked really clear the two Bs. Be, be sober and be vigilant. And when you see the word be, it's, it's just not to, to, to know it and not just to talk about it. When you see be, he's saying, do this. So now we got to define the word vigilant and the word sober. So the word sober means well-balanced, a sound mind. It also means self-controlled. Now, I'm going to put you through a little test right here. He says, be sober. What would the opposite of sober be? Be intoxicated. It would be drunk. And so right here, I believe the Lord Jesus is saying, be very careful who you allow to influence you in your life. So was the apostle Peter talking about, don't get drunk on alcohol? Well, better yet, I believe this, he's saying, the believer who is consumed or drunk with the things of this world is opening the door some things that he shouldn't. Now, I hope this doesn't define you, but in my life, I've been the opposite of sober. I know what it is to be drunk. Now, if you've ever been drunk, you understand this, that when you become drunk, you do things that you normally wouldn't do in your right state of mind. In other words, when you get drunk, you get a case of the, the dumb rears. You get a case of being stupid. And so to me right here, he's telling us here, don't, don't get over in, into the things of the flesh. Don't get over into the things of this world. And then he uses the word be vigilant. The word vigilant means to be alert and to be watchful. And so when he says this here, he's saying, keep careful attention. Don't drop your guard. Don't become complacent. Actually, Colossians 4.2 says, be vigilant in prayer. And so I got to be. 
Now, when you see be sober and be vigilant, why is this so important? Keep reading. Now, watch this. Because your adversary, your opponent, your enemy, the devil. The devil. Now, don't, don't think that the devil's a myth. I, I recognize how TV and Hollywood like to portray the devil. Uh, they like to pre, uh, portray him as this little guy who's got this little red costume or cape on, and he's got some horns on his head, and he loves to go around poking people in the rump, and they make it almost like he's just fictional character. And some people have the thought that the devil was invented by uneducated people or a bunch of religious fanatics. I believe the devil loves people who think that's how he is. Because if you don't believe there's a real devil, you're extremely deceived. And so again, be, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your opponent, the devil, look what he does. He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking or aiming at whom he may devour. Well, that wouldn't be me. Oh, yeah, it would be you. Do you know the devil has a mission statement? And his mission statement is John 10, 10. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I want to make this clear today. He hates your guts. And if his goal here is to devour you, the message says he's poised to pounce. And so, again, he's given us great information here. Don't let your guard down. And so every one of us in this room, in some time in our life, whether it's by events or episodes, we begin to get a little taste of what the enemy does. And it may start with just a little bit of fear. And then before long, it may progress to maybe a, a bad dream. And then it may progress to a nightmare. And ultimately, even to a point of, of terror where I begin to experience a dimension of reality that I'm not familiar with, that I don't understand. But you know what's real. You have anxieties. You have incredible uh, uh, fear and torment. And so what do I do? Well, look at verse 9. Resist him. Resist him. Resist who? The devil. The word resist is an old military word. So here's the thought for you. Me or you couldn't resist him unless we have the power and the authority to do that. And I'm here to tell you, you do. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, firm, rooted, and movable, knowing that the same suffering are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So he gives us an illustration here that, and if you're a human being, you're part of the brotherhood, you're born again. I'm going to tell you, it tells us we're going to experience some battles and some fights, but you can resist him in the name of Jesus. But may the God of all grace, thank God who he still imparts grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, will he perfect you, establish you, strengthen, and settle you. To him be glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
And look at verse 12. By Sylvanus, our faithful brother, as I've considered him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace in which you stand. Do you know one of your greatest prayers every morning? Father God, grace me to stand today. Grace me to stand in your might. Grace me to stand in your abilities. And so you begin to get an idea of some things right here biblically of what the Bible tells us. And this is why we're on this series of dominion. Now go with me to the book of John, chapter 14. John chapter 14. Again, I'm not preaching this to put you on a witch hunt, a devil hunt. I don't want you to start opening closets up and thinking the devil's in there. I'm just telling you, there's times in our lives when we put up with things that we shouldn't. And so right here, Jesus is going to give me and you some incredible instructions, okay? Again, in this passage here, let the Word of God teach you. John 14, verse 12. Most surely I say to you, comma, he who believes in me, comma. I'm going to stop there just a second. Jesus immediately goes, if you believe in him, you're born again. If you're born again, watch how Jesus gives me and you an assignment right here. The works that I do, he, the one who believes in me, will do also. And greater work than these he will do because I go to my father. Uh Uh-oh. The works that I did, you will do also and greater. Now get this, guy. I didn't write this. This this is Jesus' words. Was Jesus lying? Was he just bluffing? Was he just filling the Bible? No. This is his desire for us. So again, for me to do the works that he did and greater, the only way I'm going to do it is there's got to be some nuggets that I really, really get a hold of. So watch what he tells us here. Verse 13. And whatever you ask In my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So again, my key is I've got to get a revelation of the name of Jesus. He said, whatever you ask in my name. Now, the name of Jesus is not some magical name. And when he said this, he didn't tell us, whatever you ask in my name, it wasn't for you to get all your selfish desires. Verse 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, we got to look in the content that he said that. What was the whole passage about? You'll do the works that I did and also greater. So when it pertains to the works that Jesus desires, to do, he says, you ask in my name and I'll endorse it and it'll take place. And oftentimes people will look at this and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was Jesus. I realize that was Jesus, but again, who wrote this to me and you as believers? I can't overlook this. 
Well, it doesn't happen anymore. I can't see where Jesus says this will end at a certain time till we get to heaven. So I'm going to give you a biblical illustration in that. Two of his disciples, this is Acts 3. It says Peter and John went to the temple to pray. And it says they made a, met a lame man on the way. And the lame man stuck out his palm and asked for an all. He was wanting money. And Peter looked at him and said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. He said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And you know what the Bible says? The man got up and walked. He went walking and leaping and praising God. So when I look at that, I think, Peter and John got a hold of the assignment. And he said, such as I have. Well, what did he have? He had the name of Jesus. Now, when Jesus tells us to do these things, he gives us incredible examples. Look in the book of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Again, don't put up with the devil. There's been times in my life where there's been things that have happened. And whether it's demonic, witchcraft and stuff, again, it's the command at the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Let me tell you this real quick, this, this passage. I believe I need to tell this. I was in my late 20s, and my brother's two years older than me. And so it was a Wednesday night at the church in Clovis, and we began to pray for people. We, the service had dismissed, very similar to here. We let people go at night, and we were praying, and people were just lined up at the altar. And so we were walking through there together, and we came to this, this young lady, um, early 20s, I'd say, and her eyes were crazy. I mean, crazy eyes. I, I saw that this year, the men of iron, this one man, is like crazy eyes. I mean, you look and you're thinking, what is in there? We get by her, and there's a manifestation that comes out of this woman, and it's aimed at me and my brother. And at first, I thought, I'm hearing something. And I turned around and looked, and then he looked at me, and we looked at each other. Now, it wasn't praise the Lord, woo, glory, give. It, it was eerie. It was so eerie that every hair on my body, back then I had a lot of hair, it stood up. I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, we've, we've entered in something. And we looked. We didn't freak out. We didn't scream. We didn't jump up on the chairs and start screaming and yelling. It was just this simple right here. We said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And guys, we weren't anywhere near her. To make a long story short, the next day the church opens up. One of my brother's ministers said, there's a guy here who says he's got to talk to you. He comes in and he introduced himself and he said, you prayed for my wife last night. Something happened, and he said, tell me what you did. And my brother was thinking, oh, my, we're getting ready to fight. And so he looked at him and said, we prayed in the name of Jesus over your wife. And he said, why are you here? 
And the guy said, I've been married to her for three years. For three years of her life, he said, I've never seen her sleep the entire night without waking up. He said, she's had horrible dreams. He said, I've woke up to blood curdling screams. I don't know how many nights. He said, she walks in last night, looks at me and says, I'm going to bed. She sleeps from nine o'clock last night till nine this morning. She's never done that the entire time I've been married for her. She gets up and I said, what happened to you? And she said, these guys prayed for me. The husband looks and goes, I got to know this same Jesus. He gets born again that day. We didn't do anything except obey the scriptures. Now watch here in Luke chapter 4. Oh, I got to hurry. Luke chapter 4, verse 31. Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee. He was teaching them on the Sabbath, plural. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue, in the temple, in the church, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. What's he doing in the church? He needs to be set free. Jesus himself said, I came for those who need to be healed spiritually. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Now, this is this demon within this guy. And this demon within this guy, he knows who Jesus is. He knows where Jesus is from. I know you're from Nazareth. Did you come to destroy us? He knew Jesus' assignment. Do you know in 1 John 3, 8, Jesus' assignment says this, he was sent to destroy the works of darkness. This devil knows why Jesus was sent. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Do you know the scripture said, even the demons know who he is and they tremble? It's amazing sometimes the demons and the devil, they know who Jesus is more than the saints do. Now watch this. But Jesus rebuked him. He didn't rebuke the man, he rebuked the spirit within the man. The word rebuke means he strictly refuted him or he sternly refuted him. A, a strong word of authority. Let me help you with that just a little bit. If you have children, you may have had an issue before and just use this illustration. They didn't make their bed. And you may say, Johnny, you need to get in there and make the bed. They don't do nothing. But when you say, Johnny, I said get in there and make the bed. Johnny knows daddy's not playing. I believe to that degree it was how Jesus operated. I don't believe Jesus got in a frenzy. I don't believe he panicked. I don't believe he began to uh, scream and dance and shout. I believe he said, I rebuke you. Watch. I rebuke him. And how did he rebuke him? He said, he spoke, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon thrown him in the midst, it came out of him, did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying, what a word this is for with authority and power, he commands the unclean spirits and they come out. And the report about him went out into every region or every place in the surrounding region. Jesus did this 
I believe to show us our authority. Now, you can read that and you can say, I don't believe that. But what do I do with John 14, 15? And the works that I did, you'll do also and greater. Now, watch the next verse. Now, Jesus arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick, Peter's mother-in-law, with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. And Jesus stood over her, and he rebuked the fever. He sternly rebuked the fever. Now, in both of these situations, it, it says Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and Jesus rebuked the fever. It didn't say he looked up to heaven and said, God, Father God, you got to do something. And again, Jesus gives the command to the fever. Now, this is how my mind begins to work. I'm sitting here looking at this and I'm meditating on this and here's the thought that jumps to me. Can a fever hear? He rebuked the fever, but the question was, and I said, can the fever hear? Look at this. And it, what was the it? The it was the fever, and so the fever left her. And so guess what? That fever had to listen or hear because it obeyed. And immediately she rose and served them. So here's what a lot of believers do. Time out, pastor. Time out. Stop. That was Jesus. That was the Lord Jesus. But what do I do with John 14, 12? Why did God give Jesus the name above every name? It wasn't for Jesus to walk around. It was for us as believers. And so Jesus said this. This is Matthew 28, 18. He said, I have all authority in heaven and earth. He said that. And then in, in Matthew 16, 19, he said, I got the keys of the kingdom and I give them to you. What do I need the keys for? Because I begin to walk this earth and I fulfill the assignment that Jesus gives me in the name of Jesus. And so again, I, I don't want to be religious and I can't overlook this. And so something's got to be taught here. Not only has it got to be taught, we've got to get to a place where we understand this is what Jesus said. This wasn't thus saith pastor. This is thus saith Jesus. So my prayer for you and for me was this. This is Ephesians 1. That the eyes of my understanding will be enlightened. I said to Jesus this week numerous times, Jesus, I need a revelation of who I am in your name. And I need a revelation of what happens when I speak in the name of Jesus. I believe this. We would be shocked if we saw what took place in the spirit realm. When people boldly. Speak in the name of Jesus. When they boldly get out and say, in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Now, as long as you allow the devil to harass you, he'll harass you. How does he harass you? He may harass you at night. How many have ever been bombarded with crazy thoughts? Where I, I've looked before and I thought, 
Where did that come? Am I even saved? I've been in Walmart before looking at an item, and you know what? A thought comes across my mind, just steal it. And I'm thinking, just steal it? Do you know in 2 Corinthians 10, it says this, capture every thought. Capture every thought and bring it to the obedience of Christ. See, don't treat the thought like it never came, but cast it down in Jesus' name. Where I begin to say, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm not operating in that in the name of Jesus. See, this, this little phrase here, I believe, will help every one of us in this room. You can't keep the devil from flying over your head, but you can sure keep him from nesting in your hair. What does that mean, Pastor? He throws temptations at you all the time. It's not a temptation when sin comes. Remember, Jesus was tempted, Matthew 4. The thought is, is when that temptation comes and I begin to entertain it. So, how's your thought life? Have you been dating the devil? Have you and the devil been romancing? Again, break up with that cat. He's a dirty old rat. All he want to do is ride your back. He'll get you down, down, down to the ground and treat you just like a dirty old hound. Don't listen to the devil because he's a liar. All he wants to do is try and destroy you. Cast down those thoughts that the devil brings. Use your shield of faith and you'll always win. Don't treat the thought like it never came, but cast it down in Jesus' name. Now, one of these days I'm going to wrap that to you. We're still working on that aspect. The point is this, guys. I I sense this more and more in my life. We'll all have the thought from the Lord. You're putting up, you're tolerating things that you shouldn't tolerate. And Jesus said, the works that I did, you'll do also in greater. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.